Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi there. Here we are on a dirt road this year. I mean, this week, <laughs> this day, um, we have uh, come up to Bear Lake, our summer home, but we've come to check on some things, and um, it's beautiful and dark and icy and cold and it's nice to be home, but wow, we miss Hawaii. Hey, parents, how you doing? This is Ricky. <laughs> I'm trying to get all my grandkids to call me Ricky because I think a person named Ricky could never become an old person. I mean, have you ever seen an old person named Ricky? Well, Ricky Nelson. Well, he, well, he still was young. That's the whole point. So uh, I want you listeners to think of me as Grandpa Ricky and uh, Grammy Linda, and we're... Uh, we love doing this show every week because you never know where we'll be. We never know where we'll be. And strangely enough, we uh, found a dentist we like up here in Bear Lake, Idaho. I mean, here, here, there's a lot of strange things in the world. You never know what you're going to run into. If I were to ask you, where do you think you'd find the most advanced dental training and the most advanced uh, dental equipment uh, in in the Intermountain area, what, what, what would you say? You'd probably say Salt Lake, and I'm sure there are people there that have this equipment, but here we are in this little cow town. Excuse me, Linda, it's your hometown, but it's a little cow town. I mean, it's about a 20 cow town, and here we are, and, uh, man, they've got a good dentist up here. I can't say his name on the radio, but he's good, and he takes good care of us, and we're getting our teeth fixed, and it gets us up to our little place where we usually only come in the summer for the family reunion. And, boy, it brings back a lot of memories being up here, doesn't it, Linda? It does. We have such a good time up here, and we talked about that too much in the summer probably. So we'll come back to here and now. I, I You know, it, parenting's hard. I've just been on the phone with one of our children. and and um, One of our daughters who's a parent of five. There, there are just so many issues raising children. My goodness, there's just catty little girls in um, third grade, and and there's hard things in high school and junior high, and and there are just there are so many issues that we have to deal with with our children. One one child is being bullied right now, and then she wasn't so nice to somebody else, and and, um, and Linda's so great. Linda just. Linda's like the perfect advisor, grandmother, mother. She listens carefully and says the appropriate, oh, gosh, ah, ooh. And then just at the right time, she says, I know I've been through this myself. It's so hard. And I just get the feeling that the daughter feels so much better when she hangs up the phone. <laughs> I don't know about that because it is really hard. There's something every month she said, I just think, okay, now this child is on you know, fast forward, uh, she can take care of herself, and then some weird thing happens to that one that you think will never have a problem. And it, there are just so many issues. But, you know. Oh, and here, by the way, let me just interject. Um, that's a pattern that never continues. <laughs> one of the ways to describe parenting is you keep thinking you've got it. Oh, this kid's fine now. We're on autopilot with this one. No more worries here. And then another one comes up, and that keeps pattern keeps on happening. And guess what? It's still happening with us, and we're old people. I know. Don't well, we're not that old. I'm, I'm, I'm Ricky. I'm Ricky, so I couldn't be very old. I must be pretty young. <laughs> but it is really, really interesting that parenting never ends. It just gets bigger and more expensive. 
And um, it really is fun to go through and go back through. It's not always fun because there are issues that are really serious, but there there are just things we learn uh, as parents. And when we refine ourselves as we go through these hard things and these trials and so on and figure out how to make it work and and uh, there are just a lot of reasons to be a parent. Now, where have we been this last week, Linda? Let's see. We got home the night before last from Cleveland, Ohio. And I don't know if you were to make a list of all the places you'd like to visit. I don't know if Cleveland would be right at the top of your list. But let me tell you, Cleveland's a great city. And if you're a sports fan, they've sure got one of every sports team and uh so we had a good time there. We met with a, a really elite group of parents, I felt. They were they were mostly executives in their own companies, so they were high-powered business people, but they were really, really committed, I felt, to their, to their family. And we uh, spent most of the day with them and had a really lovely parenting discussion that kind of centered on the question of, raising yourself to be a good parent. In other words, the theme of the meeting was raise yourself rather than your children. And and the implication being we often as parents sort of say, well, I've got to do better at parenting, so I've got to start changing my kids. Instead of saying, hey, if I'm going to be a better parent, it's me that has to change, and how can I work on myself in a way that makes me a better parent? And then hopefully... The, the hopes and dreams we have for the children will come about a little bit easier. So this was a theme that uh, they had come up with. And what was interesting to me is that this is a group of largely Christian families, as you would guess, in Cleveland, Ohio. But their theme, that they're having their theme for the whole year, is actually from the Baghdad Giva. I don't know how to say it. It's the that was pretty good. And I said it fast, so you, you, if you couldn't tell if I said it right or wrong. But that's as some of you may know, the Hindu book of scriptures. And there's a verse in there that, uh, just to show that wisdom comes from all sources, not just from those we're most familiar with, the uh, the verse says, raise yourself to be yourself. In the final analysis, you are the only friend you have, and you are the only enemy you have. Now, you could debate the semantics there for a long time, but you get the idea the message being, when it all comes right down to it, most things in life, hopefully with faith and with some uh, belief in a higher power, but along with that, we basically rely on ourselves. And we kind of centered it on the idea that uh, when you're a parent, you should have a sign on your desk that says, the buck stops here. Because if your kids are having trouble in school, you can't entirely blame the school. If your kids are not doing too well on their sports team, you can't blame the coach. You have to basically be the one in charge of your child's education, of your child's extracurricular activities, of your child's musical endeavors. You're the one where the buck stops. And that doesn't mean you have to feel guilty and blame yourself for a lot of things. And it certainly doesn't mean that you don't welcome the help and the input of teachers and coaches and scoutmasters and all kinds of great people who are on your team as a parent, but you are the captain of the team. You're even more than that. You are, I don't know, the coach of the team, the owner of the team. You're everything. Well, you know, I... 
I never did get to this the other night, and I wish I would have. I've written about it a lot, and that is just going along with what you just said, Ricky. Um, oh, thank you for calling me that. That um, it really is so important to, um, if you want to change behavior in a child, you have to decide how you're reacting when this child drives you crazy. I mean, how are you reacting? What is your reaction to what they're saying? And then try to think of a way you can change your reaction. And so um, I've had mothers write grids of, you know, their child, what drives them crazy, what your behavior is, and what you're going to do to change your behavior. Um, for example, we had a child once who was driving me nuts because she was about in third grade, and she thought she had cancer every day. Every day she had a different kind of cancer. Well, she was a hypochondriac. Well, she definitely was. Oh, an extreme hypochondriac. <laughs> and it really is so interesting that I was getting so exasperated when she'd come to me and say, you know, I think I think I have cancer. Look at my eyelash. It's all red and everything. I think I have cancer. And I would just, oh, my gosh, honey, you don't have cancer. Quit it. You're not going to get cancer. Stop it. And, you know, I was just being so exasperated, exasperated. And then I realized one day all I needed to do was to sit down and look her straight in the eye the eyebrow. Eyelash. The eyelash. And just uh, get down on my knees and look straight across it and say, honey, I see that it's kind of red, but, you know, and there's a little bump there, but, you know, usually that is not a sign of cancer. And honestly, I think it's going to be just fine. And just assure her that everything's going to be fine. And, you know, within two weeks, she quit having cancer. And so it really was um, an eye-opening thing to me. It's just that sometimes they're saying things to annoy you to get a rise out of you. They want your attention. Figure that out. But changing your reaction to the way they're acting really helps. Yeah, let me just clarify that a little in case someone just tuned in and thinks that one of our kids has cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Linda, I think, is graphically illustrating the point that if you, for example, if you were Linda and you were working on your parenting rather than on your kids, you might say, you know, I'm too impatient. What I need to work on is not my daughter and her hypochondria. What I need to work on is myself and my patience. And so you'd focus on that and you'd work on it and so on. And that's not to say you'd fix it right away, but I think you would probably find that um, you'd be in pretty good shape if you just really kind of focused on yourself I think we've got just about another three minutes, and then we're going to take a break. But before we do, I wanted to say one other little quick thing and have you comment on it, Linda, and then we've got another thought or two after the break. But uh, another thing we tried to tell these parents in Cleveland is that, um, you know, the you know on the airplanes when you're listening to the flight attendant and she says, in the event of an emergency, an oxygen mask will drop blah, 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 and, and then she always says, or he always says, uh, if you are traveling with a child or an infant, first administer the oxygen to yourself and then to the child. That's a pretty good metaphor in the sense that it says, look, if, you, if you're not okay, you're not going to be much help to those around you. And sometimes there's a real irony here for parents because you say, well, I really feel like I need to do a little more for myself because I'm out of sorts and I'm tired or I'm out of shape or I've got high blood pressure or I'm tired all the time or whatever your problem is. 
But you say, but I can't, I can't possibly, uh, you know, take too much time for myself because I'm a mom or I'm a dad. I've got to take care of these kids. They're my first priority. I've got to put them first. And here's the irony. Sometimes by being selfish, quote unquote, in other words, taking care of you a little bit, consciously, deliberately, guess what you're doing? You're doing the best possible thing you could do for your child because you can't draw water from an empty well. You need to fill yourself up every once in a while. And it works that way with spouses, too. If you're lucky enough to be a two-parent family, then you've got to say, I'll take care of my wife, and she'll be better at taking care of the kids. So we'll be back in a minute after this break and carry that thought just a little further on Ayers on the Road. Kids and parents and how to change yourself instead of worrying so much about changing your kids. Yes, we are indeed. And you know, parents, when you get a little discouraged, when you feel like you're at the very end of your rope, tie a knot in the end and hang on. <laughs> Sometimes that's the best. We've picked up all these little cliches over the years about parenting, and we remind ourselves of them sometimes when we're in a bind and our parenting seems a little more than we can handle or we sometimes remind our kids of these little cliches when they're struggling away out there and kind of at their end of their rope. We just say, hey, tie a knot, tie a knot in the end of it and hang on. But there's other good little cliches. I want to give you one or two of mine. Maybe Linda has some that are much better than mine, but the other one I like is what Lincoln said, Abraham Lincoln. Have you seen that new Lincoln movie, Linda? Oh, my gosh, we saw it together, and it's fabulous. But that's an aside. So the point is, Lincoln is, is quoted to have said, I don't know the circumstances, but it would sure work for parenting. There are times when I'm driven to my knees by the overwhelming sensation that I have nowhere else to go. Have you ever felt that way as a parent, Linda? Uh, about every day. <laughs> and uh, we do pray a lot for our kids. Um, it is really the only place you can find help sometimes because there are just so many issues and things that you would never think of that would have would happen to you or <laughs> to your child. You can get yourself in the wackiest position. We have a little granddaughter that has OCD right now. I mean, who even knew what that was 20 years ago? Uh, we were actually on a mission a long time ago with taking care of a lot of missionaries in England, and we had a kid who just kept washing his hands, and we could not figure out how to help him, and what in the world we is that? We didn't even know what OCD was. We had never heard of OCD, and you know now they kind of know how to cope with it, but oh my goodness, this poor little girl just can't quit picking her lip. She just picks her lip until it bleeds almost every day, and she's making some scars, and so um, this daughter had taken her to a doctor, see if they could figure out what to do. And then the funny part was the doctor was also OCD. And he... They liked him right away. He was worse than she was. <laughs> he was much worse. He couldn't hold his legs still. And he was, you know, kind of bouncing around and he had his... So if you've got a kid with OCD, try to find a doctor that has it also. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny. But um, actually, they, you know, it's nice to just get a second opinion and get somebody who knows. And obviously, he said, I have four children, and they're all OCD. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. 
But, you know, and we're all OCD in our own way. I, we well, have things that are obsessive about In fact, I was just telling Richard wait. that today. <laughs> wait, wait, before you get too far with that, this missionary Linda's talking about, he had a little more than OCD. He was, I'm just going to share this. Some of you are not familiar with Mormon missionaries may have to use your imagination, but uh, the mission president, you, you interview uh, these missionaries every month or so, and uh Usually, with a lot of them, you have to ask them quite a few questions to, to figure out where they are, how they're doing, how their lives are going, and so on. But this guy, <laughs> I'd say, I'd only ask him one question. I'd say, is there anything you're worried about? And he'd pull a list out of his pocket that had about 25 or 30 things he was really, really worried about. And about two hours later, I didn't feel like I'd helped him with any of them, and he, he just got worse. And more worried about more things and worried that he had didn't have everything on his list and so on. And um, finally, I hit on real inspiration out of desperation. Isn't, isn't that another cliche? Desperation is the mother of inspiration or something mm -hmm. like something that? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> but I finally said to him, you know what? You, everyone has their own skills and their own special abilities. And you know, you have a remarkable one. You might be world class. You might be one of the best on the planet you're able to identify things that could potentially happen to you better than any person I've ever known. And I, and I wasn't kidding. I mean, I was serious. And, and even if I had been kidding, he would have taken it seriously because he took everything seriously. And he said, I do? Is that a gift? I said, yes, it is. I said, I've never met anyone that can recognize every possibility of something bad that can happen to you. And I'll tell you why that's such a great gift. Have you noticed that the things you think about that might happen to you and worry about, those things never happen. It's always something you never thought of that happens to you. So I said, most people fall prey to that all the time. Things can happen to them because they've never thought of them. But you've covered so many things in your worry list, there's hardly anything left that could happen to you. And he sort of stood a little taller and thought that was pretty cool. And the next, the next month he brought me an even longer list, but he was totally fine with it. He just didn't need any help. He just said, I think I've identified most all of them. And I said, good, go get them. And off he went. And <laughs> sometimes maybe that's what we need to say to some of our kids that are a little bit over the top is just, um, hey, that's a real, you moved so fast. I appreciate that. And maybe you're okay. And I'm not trying to make light of OCD, believe me. And I know that there are many who need real treatment. But, Linda, I wanted to give you another cliche and see what you think of this. Um, my mother used to say to me, Ricky, that's where I got the name, by the way, if a thing's worth doing, it's worth doing well. And that used to make me feel real inadequate and guilty and like a perfectionist. And so we have a twist on that for parents, and it goes like this. Parents, if a thing's just barely worth doing, just barely do it. Don't you love that? I mean, really. We get carried away with all, and especially at this season of the year, we can get so overwhelmed with everything that has to be done, and we feel like everything has to be perfect, and this and that and the other. And, you know, the more you can simplify your life and just barely get through some of those things. Of course, there are things you want to do, but you don't have to make every kind of cookie. You don't absolutely have to do the junior cookies that you always do every year if there are other things that are more important. You really have to let go of some things and just barely do the things that really aren't going to make a difference in your life in the long run. You know, I love this pattern. I like to spout off these little cliches or maxims or whatever they are and, and have Linda give commentary on them because she's so good at it. So 
I've got one other one for you, and this is another one my beloved mother used to say to me, and it was good. I mean, I needed it at the time, but it wasn't much help to me as a parent. That's why we have to create these new ones, because parenting is a very specialized and very delicate and very, uh, shall we say, difficult task. So here's the one my mother used to say to me, Ricky, never put off until tomorrow that which you can do today. And, of course, she had good reason in saying that to me, if you knew me as a kid. But if you're a parent and you're always driving yourself crazy, with, especially, as Linda says, this time of year, but I'm going to let Linda comment on it. I'm going to give you the new maxim, and uh, Linda will say why this will help you through the Christmas holidays, okay? Instead of saying, never put off, never put off till tomorrow that which you can do today, say instead, Always put off something that is put offable in favor of a now or never. Now or never being meaning play with the kids, do something spontaneous, feel the Christmas spirit. It really is so important to think, you know, can I do this tomorrow? Yeah, I probably can. Or can I do this after the holidays? Yeah, I probably could. What's more important right now? What is my real priority here? How can I really change a relationship or make a child feel better about who they are or whatever it is, instead of kind of brushing them aside on the way to the flour and sugar and so on, if you're, if you're a baker or whatever it is that is your deal for the holidays, it really is so important to just think this might be a now or never. And if I don't stop right now and talk to this child about this issue, this could really blow into something out of proportion. So, you know, you just watch for those opportunities. And, you know, one of the things we could put off a little bit more, parents, we're kind of preaching to ourselves here as well, but we could put off technology a little more than we do. I mean, it's kind of interesting right now. We're, we're up here at uh, Bear Lake, and uh, Linda, bless her heart, forgot to bring her computer, and she forgot to bring her phone. And so here she is trying to figure out what to do, and um, the fact is, kind of nice to be without that computer and without that phone because it causes her to read and think and do some other planning. And sometimes at Christmas, especially on days when we've got family around and so on, what a great thing to um, get rid of the computer and get rid of the iPhone and not even, heaven forbid, check your voicemail or your email or your Twitter or your Facebook or your Instagram or anything for a couple of days and just focus on Christmas and the people around us. It might be easier just to think, have I spent as much time with my children today as I have with the computer? Yeah, and, that's a scary uh, one. That's kind of a scary one. Obviously, if you have a job that involves a computer, then that's a different thing. And if you're away while you have that job. But um, if you have a chance to just really turn off a computer and spend some time with them, that is exactly what you should do because, you know what, it is absolutely addictive. Um, we talk about addictions with drugs and alcohol and so on, but we can get addicted. In fact, we got the funniest, oh, do you remember that Einstein quote? Yeah, I was just about to say it. Oh, we my found, gosh, it's so great. And by the way, the title of this show, we, we devise the titles as we go along through the show. We don't know what they're going to be when we start out. But the title of this show is going to be Maxims for Parenting and for Christmas. And how's this for a good one? Albert Einstein said, 
and I should just preface this with one thing. We ran onto a post that, that showed a bunch of kids sitting around a, a table, uh, all of them on their little smartphones, and the title was, Having Coffee with Friends. And then there was another one where a family was all having a reunion. They're all on their iPads and their computers. And family then, reunion. And there was another one with these two girls just sitting by each other, both of them with their phone in front, and the title was BFF. In other words, you know, <laughs> best friends forever, but they're talking to each other on their phones while they're sitting by each other. I mean, it's getting crazy. So, so here's what Einstein said. Talk about someone ahead of his time. He says, I fear that mankind will grow too attached to his technology, and we will become a generation of idiots. Uh, that's paraphrased just a little bit, but he did use the I word. <laughs> See, that's a, that's a very close paraphrase. It and, is. And he said it, you know, I mean, Einstein hasn't been around for about 50 years. And so. he's never heard of a, and, a computer. You yeah. Know? So he was a kind of a prophet along with being a genius. So keep that in mind next time you're spending too much time on your um on your phone or on your computer or whatever and just say, ooh, am I becoming part of what Einstein prophesied as a generation of technological idiots? And say, I refuse to be one. So we hope you got a clue or two about maybe what things you can change about yourself to be a little better parent during this season. We wish you the very best. And tune in next week because we're going to give you some very specialized and unique Christmas ideas for families on Ayers on the Road.